Coaching Group, making a difference one story at a time. We'll be shining the light on successful founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are getting results and making a difference. We'll talk about how they built their businesses, are creating movements, and leveraging the power of authority in their own lives. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Hey everybody, this is Michelle Prince, host of the Power of Authority Spotlight, where we shine the light on successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, founders, people that are making a real difference in the world um, by leveraging their authority. Our guest today goes beyond those definitions, somebody who is truly, truly making an impact, not just in businesses um, for himself, but millions of people around the world have read his books. Uh, Before I do the quick intro, though, I do want to give a shout out and thank you to Dr. Jeremy Weiss for connecting me with our guest today. We were recently on a podcast all together. I was on the panel. And so thank you, Jeremy. He's also the producer of our podcast. So if you want to check out what they do at rise25.com, but thanks, Jeremy. All right, let me introduce you to somebody who literally needs no introduction at all. If you are in business and you have not heard of this name, you, you have not been in business long enough. Inc. Magazine calls him the world's number one small business guru, the entrepreneurial and small business thought leader who has impacted the lives of millions of small business owners and hundreds of thousands of companies worldwide for over 40 years. And if you don't know who this is yet, it is Michael E. Gerber. Um, he is the author of the New York Times mega bestseller, for two consecutive decades, The E-Myth Revisited, and nine other worldwide best-selling E-Myth books concerning small business, entrepreneurship, leadership, and management. Additionally, Michael has written 19 industry-specific E-Myth vertical co- uh, books co-authored by industry experts for attorneys, accountants, optometrists, chiropractors, landscape contractors, financial advisors, architects, real estate brokers, insurance agents, dentists, nutritionists, bookkeepers, veterinarians, real estate investors, real estate agents, chief financial officers, and soon to be HVAC contractors and plumbers. And I know so much more. So his mission is to transform the state of small business worldwide, which I do believe you are not only have you done, but you're continuing to do. So Michael, welcome to the show. I'm delighted, Michelle. Thank you for having me here. You are. I'm so grateful to have you here. And I know that bio could have been a lot longer because there's just so many things that you've done through the years. And like I said, and I don't mean that you know, it, tongue in cheek, if you have been in business and have not heard your name, then then you probably haven't really been in business because you have been the 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 master of small business for as long as I've been in business, at least, and for decades beyond before that. So this is exciting. Okay, so when we met a couple of weeks ago through Jeremy, we did a panel and most of the questions were centered around the E-Myth, which I, I, you know, is your best-selling book and what most people know you best for. But we had a conversation and you asked me if I had read Beyond the E-Myth, which I honestly told you I had not. Um, I read your yes. first two. I read the first two in the trilogy, but I had not read Beyond. And I instantly bought it that day and I've since read it and I've listened to it and I have to say, I mean, they're, they're, they go hand in hand, this and the E-Myth, but I really, really captured more of this book than anything. Or, and maybe it's the season I'm in in my life, but this book really, really spoke to me about Beyond the was E-Myth. It, what was it about the book that spoke to you? Well, so there's so many things that I, I'm in sync with. The dreaming, first of all, the dreaming, and that it's it's 
you know, we're here to do business, right? I mean, obviously business um, is a means to an end for many people. And, and you know, we, we don't get into business to have a job, which is kind of what the e-myth is about. But what spoke to me here is it's just the bigger purpose behind it. You know, uh, you talk about the personalities of entrepreneurs and that we're not just one or another, right? But you have to dream, you have to have um, a vision and a purpose. And, and that kind of made me step back a little bit to think about my own business and the importance of that's really what, what step one is, right? And talking about the dreaming room. So plenty more, but that's one of the first things that stuck out to me. Lovely, lovely. Well, the, those personalities are very clear to me and they're entrepreneurial personalities. The entrepreneur is four different people. The entrepreneur is a dreamer, thinker, a storyteller, and a leader. Until and unless those four personalities are not only experienced, but brought to light on a day-to-day -day basis in the businesses we create, the business lacks meaning, the business lacks energy, the business lacks purpose, the business lacks what in fact a business is really there to produce, something beyond the ordinary, uh, something extraordinary. And so when you think about the great entrepreneurs of all time, like the Steve Jobs uh, folks uh, who have done such stunningly amazing things, like the Walt Disney folk, um, you understand that they went so far beyond the ordinary as to challenge every single one of us um, to think of what am I here to do? What is my Steve Jobs? What is my Walt Disney? Um, what is my Mary Kay of Mary Kay Cosmetics? What is it that drives me to go so far beyond the ordinary that, that on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm not even clear um, how ordinary my business has grown to be and how extraordinary it could become were I to approach it in the way I talk about in Beyond the Emit. So beyond the email, it really addresses what I call the eightfold path. It describes the process through which you design, build, launch, and grow a great growing company. And, you know, can we stick with the dreaming part? Because so the dreaming room is something that, well, first of all, I would love to experience after, you know, knowing more about it. But I've been familiar with the dreaming room for years. I've known about it. In fact, I was. Um, at a company probably 10 years ago, it was Infusionsoft, and they have something similar. And I know Clay was very inspired by you. And, and so I've, I'm familiar with it, but just the importance of that being the first thing, because I do think a lot of people start with, okay, well, what, do, what, what am I selling? What, what is my product, right? Sometimes we think about who the customer is, but to your point, you know, it, we, we need to start bigger Actually, I'll back up a little bit. What really hit me in this book and, and was a little, con little convicting for me that maybe I haven't done as good of a job as I should is that your beyond is all that, that your company is the product, right? Not the product itself. And that your company is needing to be designed to sell from the very, very beginning. The very, very beginning. The company is the answer to your dream. Mm -hmm. In short, I have a dream to transform the state of small business worldwide. I have a vision to invent the McDonald's of small business development services. I have a purpose, and that is that every small business owner who gets 
what I just shared with you can actually be um, incited to pursue their business in exactly the same way. And I have a mission, which is to design and develop the business development system, which enables me to realize my dream, my vision, my purpose, and my mission. <clears throat> so when you begin to feel that, you begin to experience that, you begin to take that in your heart, mind, and soul, you see that a business is so far more than just a commercial enterprise, so much more. And if it isn't that so much more than just a commercial enterprise, it's just dead and dying. Right. It just doesn't provide you with the impetus to get up every morning and go to work on it, to truly transform it to the degree that it has the possibility and capability of doing. So that's the light I see in Michelle's eyes when I met you in our first meeting. That's the light I saw in your eyes when we just first connected here. And that light is the light of meaning. Mm. And that book that you read, Beyond the E-Myth, which is after all those other books I've written, E-Myth books, um, struck you so much. So You didn't say this in the book. I think I heard you say something similar on a podcast interview that you did a while back. But the gist, what I took away from it, and you said something on a podcast that, you know, we are created. We are, we are created to create. Basically, yes. we're created in the image of God. He's the greatest creator. And we are called to create something in this world that we're, we're in. And I think you said something along the lines, but we've done a lousy job, um, you know, especially with our businesses. And, and I couldn't agree more. But, but the bigger part of that and kind of maybe what I got out of the beyond the e-myth was that it is about that. It is more than it's. And I do believe that, too. Like, I feel like we are called or to do something, to create something, we all have this ability to. Um, it, it said that, born in the image of God. It was, okay, then I, I, I heard it to, too. <laughs> born to create. Yes. Born to create a world fit for God. Every human being is born in the image of God. It said that in Genesis. Born in the image of God. We're creators born in the image of God to create. That's why we're here to create a world for God. That's why we're here. And we rarely ever experience that as potently as we have the capability of experiencing it. So you experienced that when you read it, when you heard it, when you felt it, and you asked yourself, so why aren't I experiencing that continuously? Because it's very difficult to not the easiest thing in the world to uh, to be connected with God, to be connected with my spirit, to be connected with my soul. And once you become that connected, then the call is to reconnect, to reconnect, to reconnect. And you understand that's what you experienced when you read the book, when you heard me say that. But you understand you experience that from time to time throughout your life. I love, though, that because I think a lot of times when people, even if they do know we're, we're created in the image of God and, and we are called to create that, they think, well, but I have to be, you know, leading a church or I, I that, that's not for me to be. But that you, you tie it into business, that that is. That is for many of us, our way of, of showing what what has been created in us, you know. And, and not a lot of people think that way. 
That's where Steve Jobs said, it's the passion. It's the passion. It's the passion. Without the passion, there's nothing. It's the passion. And that passion wakes you up every morning. That passion puts you to sleep every night. That passion, that passion. And oftentimes, we don't have a name for it. Mm-hmm. What is that? What is that? What is that that's bugging me, that's driving me crazy, that's saying, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to pursue this. Mm-hmm. Um, Walt Disney called it Imagineering. Yes. And um, he had his company, um, Disney Imagineering. And his folks would come to him with an idea or a product, et cetera. And he'd say, no, I've seen that before. I've seen it. Bring something to me I've never seen before. Mm. Well, how do you bring Walt something he's never seen before or never thought of before? Impossible, you say. But it's not impossible. It is possible. But you've got to work for it. Do you understand? He drove them to work for it. And that's what Imagineering is all about. And that's what an entrepreneur is all about. An entrepreneur is the chief Imagineer mm. in our lives. And also pushing them, like something I didn't think about that with with Disney, but you talk a lot about your mentors when you were young and um, your saxophone teacher and and all of that. And but but and not not only were they great at what they did, but but I they pushed you, you know, meaning like they wouldn't settle for you to do anything less. Walt Disney wouldn't settle for them to to provide something that they never thought of before, right? So I think there's a little bit of that too. It's like we all have that ability. But you do need somebody to hold you accountable, to push you a little Absolutely. bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Every great entrepreneur has had someone to do that for them, some mentor, some advisor, um, some um, kick-ass in your face saying, get out of here, do what you're capable of doing, go beyond where you are, go on beyond where you are, think of beyond where you're thinking, um, uh, go, please go away, do it. And um, that that person, that individual, is so absolutely palpable important um, to the creator within. Absolutely palpably important. Just as my saxophone teacher was when I was 11 years old, going from Anaheim to Los Angeles by bus and back again by bus uh, to take my hour-long music lesson where he'd beat the living shit out of me. In other words... Practice, 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 practice. And he'd practice me, practice me, practice me, practice me. And then he'd kick me out of there and go home. And then I'd do it again. Um, What is it about someone like that? He can hear it. He can feel it. He can see it. And he can tell when it's not there. But he can also tell when it wants to come out of there. And his job is to drive it and to drive me. And he did. And that's a gift. Yeah, that is a gift. Yeah. Sometimes people can see something in you before you can see it in yourself. Um, but it does take, I think, a good leader and somebody who really, really cares about you to maybe make you mad or make you not want to come back or, you know, push you in a way that you may have not this. done on your own. But hear this. He cares more about it than he cares about you. Mm. He cares more about the music than he cares about Michael. He cares more about it, the dream, the vision, the purpose, the mission, than he does about Michael. His job isn't to care about me. His job is to care about it. Because he cares so much about it, 
He takes me there where I don't care and takes me beyond myself. So this is not a personal drive. This is an impersonal drive. Mm -hmm. The dream is impersonal. It's not narcissistic. It's not about Michael wants, Michael wants, Michael wants, Michael wants. It's about it wants. And it has a want that I can't even fathom given the way I am. His job is to take me there. His job is to kick me out. His job is to get me to see it, to go beyond myself, to go beyond the little kid who walked in the door, to go beyond the one who doesn't dream enough, who doesn't have a vision enough, who doesn't have a purpose enough, who doesn't have a mission enough, to get me out of myself, my narcissistic self, I want, I want, I want, et cetera, and so forth and so on. I'm not interested in that, Merle said. Mm. And he showed it simply by his actions. And it went back every Saturday and took it. I have no idea why I did. <laughs> no idea. But it spoke to me. Oh. And it sustained me. And I practiced. And I practiced. And I practiced. It's a gift. Yeah. It's a gift. Do you still play? No, no, no. I stopped playing about four or five years ago. Oh. And my excuse was that my horn needed to be worked on and I didn't have the time or the money to do what had to be done to it. That was the excuse. The reality was that the pain of not being who I had been, mm. the voice that I had, the horn that I had, the music that I had and played, and not being nearly that good now i'm at 85 84 83 86 as i was at 32 37 etc and so forth i just quit yeah yeah because it you cared more about it than michael <laughs> yeah. well this is my horn now what can yeah. i tell you that's right that's right um you you were talking about passion a minute ago and and i have a theory and i won't know until the other side, this side of heaven, I'll never know if I'm right or not. But that passion, I believe, is it's a it's it's not everything, right? People talk about oh, follow your passion, follow you. It is important, and you and it is a clue. But I think it's just a clue. It's a clue to your purpose because I do happen to believe God's not going to give you a purpose in life that you hate. <laughs> you know, chances are good it's going to be something that that you enjoy. And so when you said like something like you don't you can't even explain sometimes where that passion comes from. Uh, I always say passion pulls you. You don't have to push it. And, yes. and I think it's because it's, it's somehow that it is tied to your purpose. You have to understand, like I said in the book, the dream comes first. Mm -hmm. I have a dream. It's the first thing. I have a dream to transform the state of small business worldwide. My dream is insufficient because it tell me what it looks like in order to become a reality. What it looks like is expressed in my vision. I have the vision um, to invent the McDonald's of small business consulting services, small business development services. What is the McDonald's of small business development services? Well, McDonald's is the most successful small business in the world. 
So I'm going to create the most successful business development system on the planet. It's going to become my McDonald's, just like Ray Kroc's McDonald's was to him. Mm-hmm. What it was. And it's four different things. It's visual, it's emotional, it's functional, and it's financial. To understand my McDonald's um, business development services is visual, emotional, functional, and financial. First, visual. Second, emotional. Third, functional. Fourth, financial. And it puts everything within order. First, I have to see it. Then I have to feel it. Then I have to work it. Then I have to run it. Mm. And so effectively, there's a logic to all of this. And that's what the book is describing, the logic to all this. Yeah. So to the degree you don't get the logic to all this, and you begin to use the words inappropriately, you said it, I have a purpose. That's the way the, the word is typically used by everybody. What's your purpose in life? Well, my purpose in life is to fulfill my dream. My purpose in life is to fulfill my vision. My purpose in life is the um, expressive capability, the outcome of my dream, my vision, in order to transform the state of small business worldwide. But until I realize my mission, I can't realize my purpose. I can't realize my vision. I can't realize my dream, et cetera, et cetera. So my recommendation to you is determine what your dream is before you do anything, before you decide anything, before you create anything, before you get busy with anything. Now you say, yes, but Michael, I'm already busy with something. I've got a business. I'm doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. I say, yeah, that's not it. That's just stuff you do. And that's stuff you become you know, enchanted by. Uh, but that's simply arbitrary enchantment. Mm-hmm. I'm saying until you discover what your true dream is, Michelle, you haven't gotten there yet. And that takes work. And I think, and you said it, I'll paraphrase it, but that it, it's not just following the way somebody else did it. No, not at all. And I, not and at I, all. And I think, and I know I followed, fell into this trap early in my career too. It's like, you think, well, this person, they, they have all the answers. And then you follow this person and then this person, and then everybody's doing the same thing. Doesn't mean it's working. And it's not necessarily the path they were supposed to take, or I was supposed to take. And um, I know for me, I went in my business, I started with, with the dream. And then I got kind of pulled in directions of other people's dreams. What was it? My dream is to inspire people. Was to. I'm sorry? My dream was to. Oh, You started with a dream. Oh, okay. It is still the same, but it's to inspire people to see what's already within them, that what God created them to be, and to figure out how they can create, take what their gift that God's given them. That's a lot of language. That's a lot of language. language. Uh, Let me give you this simple language. Okay. My dream is to transform the state of blank worldwide my dream is to transform the state of blank worldwide reduce all of that language into blank what's your blank to transform the state of blank worldwide 
it's multifaceted. It's to transform the state of people sharing their stories, but it has a deeper meaning. I would say to transform the state of believers to. Well, I understand to tell their story would be to transform the state of communication worldwide, to transform the the state of dreaming worldwide. I think that's probably more. Yeah. Okay. So what is dreaming? And so you see, you immerse yourself in this up to a degree you haven't yet Mm. because it's come too easy for you. Um, you you sort of borrowed it from stuff you'd seen, and so therefore you began to talk that stuff rather than finding it inside yourself. Mm. You're going to find it within yourself when you describe what that what you define that word to be, and that word to be has got to mean something to you. You've got to have a, a cons- all consumable passion for that word. That word has got to define you, describe you. It's got to become the it that Merle was in love and passionate with, not Michael. Mm. You understand it's not Jerry or Jim or Judy or Jack. It's not her. It's not him. It's it. To the transformation of it worldwide, I'm going to transform the state of being worldwide in a way that I'd never imagined before. And so I'm going to advise you, suggest you, mentor you Mm -hmm. um, to go into that word and find it. And don't jump around. Don't jump around into other words. Stay with that word. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? Define it, define it, define it, define it. Because until you truly define it, you don't own it. Mm. Until you own, don't own it, it doesn't own you. Until it owns you, you're just Michelle doing shit. <laughs> Which gets old. <laughs> you're bigger than that. Well, thank and you. We, we all are. That's for sure, right? Life's yeah. short. And at the end of the day, we're never going to be like, oh, I'm so glad I implemented that course. Or I'm so glad, <laughs> you know, it's, it's got to be, like you said, more meaningful. I think I know the word, but I'm going to work on it. And I'm going to do what you just said. I'm going to take yeah, that you to just, heart. You just experienced the dreaming room. So that effectively, we're just in the dreaming room. Um, where I push against your quick and easy answers. Where I push against your habit. When I push against the stuff you become... Um, habituated to do I pushed against your um, your lack of effort in communication and I pushed against your not knowing who you are and in the process of pushing against that I'm pushing Michelle against that and in the process of pushing Michelle against that the true work is starting to be done that's the practice that's the practice. That's what Merle got me to do. You got it? I do. And I'm taking it because I want to learn. <laughs> I want to be better. I want to. Um, so something when I read it, I kind of laughed out loud when I was envisioning when you started your company in the 70s, Michael Thomas Corporation, that you all or you went door to door, basically saying you're in the business development business, but really, I mean, you were, right? But you were just asking questions. Of course, knocking on doors, knocking on doors, knocking on doors. Yeah. Creating a sales pitch to knock on doors. 
hires the owner in, hires the owner in, hires the owner. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Yeah. Oh, it's not what I want. It's what you want. You know, there are people listening who are a certain age that don't even know what it means to knock on real doors. They email, they call. I, my first job out of college, before I worked for Zig Ziglar, but for six months before I worked for Zig, I worked selling copiers. And that was my job to go business door to door to door business and try to yeah. get to the CEO before you got kicked out by the security guard. Um, so I laughed because I could visually see you doing this. And you asking all these questions, and then finally the business owner comes out like, "What? What do you? Who are you? What do you want?" Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. But that that's, is... that, that's so important. What you just described—that exercise of knocking on doors—it's such a foreign state of, for anyone to do. <laughs> the kids going to college today—they have no idea. They have no idea. It's it's a disaster. It's a disaster. <laughs> Some don't even like go on dates. They just text each other. You know, it's just a totally different world. But, um, but I do, what I loved about that was for me, it was kind of a reminder of it's, you weren't doing that to sell at that, you know, and the whole point isn't to sell. You were going in to find out what was the need, what was the frustration, what, what are people dealing with so that you can find a way to itch that, that scratch or scratch that itch, however you say it. <laughs> um, is that, how would you do that now in today's, would you do the same thing by sending out surveys or doing? Of course. Social media is cold calling. Yeah. Um, in a soft way. Um, everything and anything that you do to generate a lead is cold calling. Mm -hmm. um, it unfortunately doesn't have the, the, the energy um, that it did back then in the 70s when I went out, then my my partner went out. Then we uh, trained our novice salespeople to go out and to memorize that script and to make that call and to book people for a free seminar. Mm. And the free seminar was key frustrations in a small and growing business and what to do about them. Come find out, you'd say to the owner, come find out. You're going to discover something you never thought you would. You're going to discover something you never thought you'd know. You're going to discover something about your business that nobody's ever described to you before. It's the most amazing experience of all. And then they would come. And then there'd be 30 to 40 to 50 people in that room. And I did those seminars until the script was completed. And when the script was completed and I tested it and validated and tested it and validated, I then trained my first seminar producer, um, a woman, a, a gay woman, um, a, 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 a accountant, uh -huh. the most unlikely woman to do that work. But she was so fascinated by me as I did that work. And she said, I want to learn to do that. I want to learn to do that. I said, you'll never learn to do that. She said, I will learn to do that. I said, well, I'll give you a little test. I'll learn this. And I gave her three paragraphs to learn and to go home and come back tomorrow having learned them. And she went home and she did it. And she came back and I said, no, not like that, like this. No, not like this. Now go back and learn these. Go back and learn these. Go back and learn these. So she memorized the whole seminar. And then she did it. See, and I relate to this so much too, because I do some work that for years I've done it myself and I've thought about 
you know, scaling, right? I can't do everything in that regard. So teaching and training and all of that. But I love that you said that you have to do it over and over and over again before you can train someone else. But then it's, this is what works. It's not a question of try it. It's, no, do it this way. Do it this way. And until you've done it, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So the first job is to do it so that it exists, to test it, to validate it, to orchestrate it. And until you've tested it and validated and orchestrated, there is no there there. But once it is there there, and it has a language all of its own and a measure all of its own and a tempo all of its own, once the music, the saxophone music um, has been played and played and played, and then I could hear it and feel it and copy it and memorize it, then I have a model through which to do it. So you understand she wasn't going back to create her own seminar. Right. That would be absolutely insane. She was going back to McDonald's, uh-huh. my seminar. My seminar was McDonald's. Um, my, you follow what I'm saying? I totally do, yeah. My seminar was my franchise. Mm. So she went back and memorized my franchise, which is what every franchisee must do. And came back then and proved it and proved it and proved it and proved it. And finally I said, okay, do it tomorrow night. Wow. And she did. And she did. And that was your first of? That was her first. Of many. And she did it. <laughs> and then she did it twice. And then wow. she did it three times. And then she came alive. Wow. And then she was me. Do you understand? And then she was me. Mm-hmm. She wasn't her. She was me. And it wasn't me, it was it. Mm-hmm. And it had a life all its own. And if it hadn't had a life all its own, it would have been a disaster because she would have gone back and done whatever the hell she would do. And he would have gone back and done whatever the hell he would do, just like most businesses do. Um, yeah. They do it and they do it and they do it. However they do it, make it up, make it up, make it up, make it up. Stupid, stupid, stupid. It's not a business format franchise. It's a joke. And then they blame the people. (laughs) Well, I had to let that person go because they couldn't do their job. Well, of course, of course. And the people blame the owner and the owner blames the, and on and on and on. And there you go. So there had to be a measure of orchestration to everything we did. And there had to be the test and the validation of the test that she passed the test, the Navy seal of it. She passed the test. That's how rigorous it had to be because it is a religion. You understand it's a religion. Born in the image of God, born to create, born to create a world fit for God. That's the compelling message behind everything I'm saying to you. It's a religion. Where do you think the passion comes from? It's a freaking religion. That's what I believed in so much. And that's what our people needed to believe in so much. Otherwise, they couldn't do it. Otherwise, it just pretended to. So understand that's where the passion is. Yeah. And until you can feel it inside of yourself, just as I felt it and expressed it in myself, and you could experience my passion as I expressed it to you, then you can see the gap between what I just expressed and where you are. 
the gap between what I just expressed and where you are, but to understand that where you are isn't where you could be. Mm -hmm. And where you could be is what we're working toward. Do you remember the moment that you got clarity on your dream? Because I can't imagine you, you, you know, you knew specifically, like, when did you it get up? Very, to that very, point? very, it was very, very, very clear to me. Um, as I began to work with my first client, my first client was the guy, Bob, that my brother-in-law sent me to train to develop a, a, a better closing ratio. Um, and I started to work with him, started to work with him, started to work with him. Um, it started right there, but it didn't really happen until I walked into McDonald's. And I walked to McDonald's after three or four clients working on it, working on it, working on it, working on it. It still wasn't there. It still wasn't there. It still wasn't there. And I walked in, into McDonald's and it suddenly struck me. There's that what I call, excuse the expression, holy shit experience. Yeah. <laughs> I walked into McDonald's and then I walked out and I realized what in fact it was. It was the system. It was the visualization of the system that could in fact be created identically in the same way in the hands of ordinary people, kids at minimum wage without a clue how to be, without a clue how to do what one needed to do. But I could teach them, but only if I had done it myself. There had to be a prototype. There had to be the first one. And that prototype was sacred. You understand a sacred, a religion. It's a hamburger stand, for God's sake. I know. But it's a religion, visually, emotionally, functionally, financially. It's a religion. And to the degree it fails to come to that place, it's a religion, Michael. Until it fails there, uh, you don't understand what's missing in this picture. And what's missing in this picture is it's a religion, Michelle. It's God. God speaking to me and to you and to each and every one of us, unless God isn't. And God is, we just don't hear him. Yeah, totally. So it's not because God isn't. It's because we aren't. And we aren't because we've not taken it seriously. We haven't taken God seriously. We haven't believed in God seriously. And that's why everything that's going on in our world today is such a disaster. Because they're replacing God with stupid. Hear me with stupid. Um, I am God, everybody is saying. I am God. There is no God. I am God. Hear me, hear me. And it's a destruction. Mm -hmm. It's a destruction of being. So that's when it struck me. Yeah. When I walked into McDonald's and I suddenly saw it. And I said, So that's what Merle was talking about. Yeah. It's just amazing how things come to you. But you understand, had it not been there, um, I never would have seen it. No. 
but there was something, there was a reason that you saw it because how many of, of us have walked into McDonald's and never thought that? Of course, my saxophone teacher, one, two, three, four, five, six, week after week after month after month after year after year after year after year, beat me up, beat me up, beat me. It could have been my martial arts teacher, could have been my encyclopedia sales manager. You understand it could have been anyone and all of them. But that's what got me there. And unfortunately, so few people have that. That's so um, true. But that's what the Dreaming Room is intended to inspire, um, to get ordinary people beyond where they are. I know you can't pick a favorite because it's kind of like children, you know, even if you have one, you shouldn't say it. But uh, which of all the books you've written is your favorite? Oh, I, I don't have one. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I never read them after I wrote write them. It's uh, painful, isn't it? <laughs> I've never reread any of my books. Um, I'm I'm deeply immersed in each and every one of them, consumed by each and every one of them. Uh, but once it's done, it's done. True. Um, and that's the truth of it. Once it's done, it's done. On to the next. On to the next. On to the next. On to the next. So, Michelle, I'm done. You're done? We're done. Oh, with the podcast or with the books? <laughs> with the podcast. All right, Michael. Well, thank you so, so much. Seriously. I could just talk to you all day and learn from you, but um, this has just been so awesome. I appreciate you so much. Well, let's do it again. I would love that. Invite me back to do it again after you think more about your dream, your vision, your purpose, and your mission. So we'll use this process as a process of mentoring you, and in the process of mentoring you, um, through your resistance, through your desires, through your interests, uh, the people who are listening in will suddenly awaken to the possibility, oh my God, if Michelle can get that, I know there's something there for me. That's what you can make happen with the okay. folks who are listening to you. All right. I'm committed. I'm doing it. And I'm, I am having you back on to talk about it. So you got it. I love Great. it. Thank you, Michael. And that's it for the show. Thanks, everyone. If you didn't learn something, then you weren't breathing. So uh, take notes and make it happen and go read beyond the emit today. Thanks so much. Bye bye. for listening to the Power of Authority Spotlight. If you are a successful founder, entrepreneur, business owner, or leader that's getting results and making a difference, and you'd like to be on this program, please visit performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast to apply. That's performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Also, if you got something out of this interview, please share this episode. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag, the power of authority spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our websites, performancepublishinggroup.com or michelleprince.com. And follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.